This is Knesset Corner with Rabbi Dov Lippmann. I'm Scott Kahn. Rabbi Lippmann, the biggest news over the past month was Trump's announcement that he's going to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and along with that was the important recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. First of all, what's your take on this? I actually believe that despite it not meaning very much tangibly on the ground, it was very important. It's very important because in all the discussions about the Israelis and the Palestinians, the the bottom line issue, which is always the problem, is the issue of Jerusalem in general and the the Palestinians not willing to concede anything uh, when it comes to Jerusalem. And it's important for Israel to have one country and hopefully from America to lead to other countries, recognizing that Jerusalem is our capital, removing that issue from the table. You know, what will happen with the Palestinians and East Jerusalem, that's a whole other discussion. But we've taken that issue off of the table, the Palestinians' unwillingness to to recognize Jerusalem at all. And that, I believe, uh, makes it significant, regardless of what actually happens on the ground. But do symbols really matter? That's my question. This had the potential of leading to violence. It seems, thankfully, that it did not, at least on the whole. Are symbolic actions that could cause an explosion really that worthwhile, despite what they say? I think specifically because of threats of violence that are out there, it's important because we have to do what's right. We can't make decisions based on the threats of the Palestinians. They're going to hold everyone hostage because they're threatening violence. And I think that we made a clear statement that we will do what's right and and, and support what's right in the face of their threats. And now that card of theirs of if you do X, we will engulf the Middle East in flames and Israel will be uh, filled with terror. That card has been removed from the table because we called their bluff and they did not succeed. And yes, there were issues. And by the way, for Israeli soldiers, it wasn't an easy few days. They were dealing with a lot. But a security guard there, also who was stabbed at the Tachlan America Z, the central bus station. Correct. And not in any way belittling all of that. But it was not the result, the catastrophic result that many feared. And I think that they've learned that we're not afraid of that card. And that in and of itself, I believe, is important. Well, then let's move on to the UN vote. After the United States made this declaration, the United Nations voted overwhelmingly and shockingly in some sense against the United States. And here's my question about that. Obviously, from an Israeli perspective, we're very proud of those who did not vote against Israel, did not vote against the United States and implicitly Israel. At the same time, I would have thought before this that even though the status of Jerusalem was officially subject to negotiation, everybody sort of knew, except for the ultimate rejectionists who would not be part of a peace deal, everyone knew that West Jerusalem, at least, was going to be part of Israel. Even the Palestinians didn't really deny that. However, in response to the United States Declaration, now it sounds like, at least from the world's perspective, West Jerusalem itself is on the table again. So in some ways, isn't that more trouble than it's worth? The way I see it is someone had to take the lead on this issue. Someone had to get up and say it. And over time, realities change. And all these countries, even the ones who voted to condemn the president and the United States for what they've done— As time goes along, I really do believe that they will fall in line as well. There'll be country after country. It'll take time that we'll realize, do we really want to have this fight? Is this really worthwhile? And it is important to cement West Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And the reason for that is, if you look back at the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I mean, Camp David, 2000, Ehud Barak offered Yasser Arafat everything that they could possibly want. And among the things that Arafat could not accept and could not tolerate and could not, as a Palestinian leader, uh, sign on to was 
any part of Jerusalem being Israel's capital. Not because the Muslims really have any kind of a long-standing connection to Jerusalem, because they recognize that that means that we will be here forever, and, and this is something they can't tolerate. I just did an interview for Al Jazeera, uh, which is coming out uh, in the next few days, about Jerusalem, and the, the people who are asking the questions, it was clear that the biggest issue is once we establish ourselves here with Jerusalem as our capital, then Israel is a reality which is never leaving. And the Palestinians have not yet accepted that. And therefore, that's why I do believe it was important. That's why I do believe it was worth whatever the risks uh, were. And that's why I do believe over time, more and more will sort of forget about this issue and fall in line and accept Jerusalem as the capital. Well, let me ask you a possible consequence, which may or may not happen. What about if other countries in response to this say, well, in that case, we're going to recognize East Jerusalem as a Palestinian capital. In fact, we're going to start putting embassies of our countries in East Jerusalem, maybe even in the old city, at least in theory. In that situation, haven't we created consequences that we never intended? There's a lot of rhetoric that's out there of countries that are saying they're going to do this. It would take a lot for them to be able to put their embassy of Israel in East Jerusalem. And, and, and let me take a step backwards for a moment. There is no state of Palestine. If they want to do so, they should be building towards that. And this is all sort of this, this fake creation, this fabrication that's going out there. So that the actions that they take in terms of East Jerusalem and the like, it does not have any significance uh, on the ground in terms of what will happen. The Palestinians first need to accept the idea that there'll be a Jewish state side by side, and then they can begin those discussions. And they haven't reached that stage at all. Will there be a Palestinian leader in the future who does? Okay, and if I, I'll be honest with you. When I spoke to Al Jazeera, I asked them from 1948 to 1967, where was the movement to declare Jerusalem as the capital of some kind of a Palestinian entity when they did have control of East Jerusalem? This is all a fabrication, and that's why— What do they answer? It's not— there is no answer to the question. There is no. The answer is, yes, the Jordanians, they left the Palestinians out hanging, but there was no Palestinian initiative. There was nothing. It's all being done to— create a scenario where somehow there is no Israel, there is no Jewish state, and there is no Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish people. And that's why, I go back to the beginning, that's why the statement was significant, because it cemented a reality which does push the Palestinians into a corner and does take away one of the cards that they had in this game. And you don't foresee a time when other countries will start declaring that East Jerusalem is the Palestinian capital? You'll see a lot of noise about it. You'll hear a lot of noise about it in terms of it actually happening. They realize that they're just making a farce of themselves if they do that when there's no Palestinian. Had the Palestinians over the last decades built state institutions, built a state exactly what Israel did before we were a state, then you could take it seriously. But right now, it's just words that are being thrown out there and, and flags that don't stand for anything because they haven't taken any steps towards that. And therefore, yes, you'll hear some of that rhetoric, but it won't have any significance on the ground. Well, is there any long-term significance to the UN vote against the United States now? Zero. The United Nations, uh, you know, I was there two weeks ago, and, and almost everything there is declarative. Uh, there's all kinds of resolutions. They don't mean anything on the ground. All it does do, if anything, is it riles the anger of, of an American president, and I don't know what the consequences will be for that. But in terms of any actual consequences on the ground, it's just a resolution, and it means nothing. So let's move on to another topic, another big issue you and I have spoken about several times over the past few episodes, about the corruption investigation into Prime Minister Netanyahu over Hanukkah. He gave an interesting speech to the Likud Convention. What was that about? Things are definitely heating up, that's for sure, on this front. The Prime Minister spoke to the Likud gathering for Hanukkah and essentially laid the groundwork for the reality that in a few weeks the police are going to recommend an indictment 
against the prime minister. And the prime minister gave a speech in which he bashed the police, he bashed the media, he bashed everyone who might be suggesting they did anything wrong. And he even came out and said, most of the police recommendations for indictment don't leave to indictment. And he rallied the crowd with a cheer of, there won't be anything because there is nothing. There won't be anything because there is nothing. But the police are about to recommend an indictment. So what was he doing by saying this? And he was taking the air out of what could become a groundswell against him, even from the right wing, when the event happens that the police recommend the indictment. Because now he's come out, he's gone on the offense or the defense, however you want to describe it, and he's taken the air out of the story. The police are going to indict him, but the average Likud voter now will say it means nothing because most police recommendations don't lead to an indictment. He's trying to gain control of the story by grabbing it and saying, of course they're going to indict me, but it means nothing. Of course they can recommend an indictment. Ah. Right, yeah, correct. They're going to recommend an indictment, and that means nothing. If it comes to an actual indictment... Which takes several months. Which could take. It could take a week, or it could take several months. The, the prosecutor, the attorney general, has to decide. We have to remember here also, the police chief was appointed by the prime minister. The attorney general was appointed by the prime minister. So everyone involved here were people that are appointed by him. They're not his enemies. They're people who he appointed and put into place. There's something real here. There seems to have been real bribery in this case 1000, you know, where the prime minister and his wife accepted gifts and there was something done in return. That is bribery. That is corruption. That is an indictable offense. And that is a def- an offense which someone should sit in jail for. So uh, we certainly hope that the attorney general, once the recommendation comes will act quickly one way or another, but the prime minister has taken the air out of the story of the recommendation for the police, because I'll tell you, had he not done that, and it still might happen, you can imagine the Israeli population saying the police are recommending an indictment against the prime minister. This is the end. We have to go to elections. We have to have a new mandate for either him or somebody else. Even the new uh, head of the coalition has said if the prime minister was indicted, he must step down. That's already a step forward because there were others who were saying, no, even if the prime minister is indicted, does it mean anything? How long ago did he say this? This week. week. The noose is tightening uh, around the prime minister politically. The right wing is now coming out and demonstrating also against corruption. It's not just the left wing. It's not political. It's crossing all party lines. And there's something that's going on. And I, I have to tell you, just watching it happen, I can't see him succeeding to to survive this. You have other factors. Moshe Kahlon, who's a primary coalition partner, who said that he's going to be in the coalition to keep to the rule of justice and, and protect the institutions of the country. At a certain point, all of these leaders, uh, him and Bennett and others, will have to make a decision. Do we stay in a government in this situation? So I have a hard time imagining that we go the full term, which is to November 2019, given everything that's going on. But Many great political analysts have said the same thing and have been proven wrong by a prime minister who is a master in politics. So we'll have to see exactly what happens. Is there a chance of an internal coup within Likud? You would think that there would be a chance for it, but I don't see it happening. The prime minister is still very popular within the Likud and very strong, so I don't see it happening. So one of two things would have to happen. Either he feels, okay, I cannot continue to govern in this situation, or other coalition partners make it clear that they won't continue under these circumstances. But everyone should keep their eyes on the news uh, the next few weeks for sure as we await this police recommendation. It's also important what's in the recommendation, how many details of the case are revealed. What did the prime minister give in return for all of these gifts? I think that will play a role uh, as well. In other words, what form of bribery exactly are we discussing here? Correct. In other words, if we're talking about cigars and that's it, people might feel very differently than $100,000 in cash. 
Right, but even if it's cigars, if it's a few hundred thousand shekel in cigars and champagne, what did the prime minister give in return? I think that's also significant because uh, that seems to be the focal point of the recommendation is that it wasn't just that he accepted gifts, which I should tell everyone is wrong, is not allowed. We're not allowed to accept as public officers, officials gifts. But if he gave something in return and something significant in return, that's where you actually see the real bribery and the real corruption. And, and that will be the real question. I remember you told me when you were a Knesset member that you couldn't even accept a cup of coffee from somebody. Correct. We were told we recommended anything. Don't accept anything from anyone so that no one can ever suggest that there ever was kind of a quid pro quo or you did something for someone in return for something else. And I would want to live in a country where everyone demands that from uh, our leaders and certainly from the prime minister. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks and how the Israeli population responds. But you could see an outpouring of demands that the prime minister step down or at the very least go to elections. Thank you very much. Interesting times. I'm Scott Conrath, Rabbi Dov Lippmann. This is Knesset Corner.